and here's why I think it resonated, to be quite honest, is lots of people are coming out of college and not doing a good job and getting frustrated and questioning themselves, you know, internal fear. Am I any good at this? Am I going to be good at something? And to know that, you know, I eventually became an executive at a startup after such a terrible start, I think resonated with a lot of people. Caution. Listening to this podcast may motivate you to make positive changes in your life, identify ways to accelerate your career trajectory, and develop a path towards financial freedom. This is the Career Meets World podcast, and I'm your host, Edward Gorbis, and I've spent the last 10 years focused on helping thousands of people advance their career while in parallel teaching a secret recipe to reach financial independence. And I'm here to share the untold stories of successful people and teach thousands of listeners how to develop a growth mindset. Our minds are malleable and everyone has the power to change their mindset through perseverance, dedication, and a passion for learning. So if you're ready to skyrocket your business and financial literacy, turn up the volume and let's dive right in. This is the Career Meets World podcast. Welcome back, podcast family. As always, we have a very special guest for you. And with us today, we have Justin Welsh, who has over a decade of experience building two different $50 million plus companies, building teams of over 150 people, and has helped raise over $300 million in capital from venture capital firms. Over that 10-year period, he played the role of SVP of sales and chief revenue officer at high-growth transactional SaaS companies. He's intimately familiar with the challenges and complexities of building an SMB SaaS business, both effectively and efficiently. And despite being laid off three times throughout his early career, Justin exemplifies the meaning of resilience and how everyone has a comeback story. We discuss his entire journey, uncover nuggets of wisdom, and the passion that fuels his work today helping both SaaS companies scale and aspiring entrepreneurs thrive. This conversation will inspire you, motivate you, and get you jumping to go take action. Let's dive right in. Welcome, Justin. It is such a pleasure to have you today on the Career Meets World podcast. This has been a long time coming. So first of all, welcome to the show. Thanks. It's, uh, it's great to be on. Appreciate you having me. Of course, Justin, I know that you've been doing a lot of creative things over the last couple of years. You've had this inspiring career that many people aim to emulate. And we're going to get into a lot of that, how you've grown, what you've overcome, what you've seen. So I think to really start, for people who might not know who you are, can you give us some quick context from your perspective? Sure. Um, my name is Justin Welsh. Uh, I've spent the last 18 months um, really as a solopreneur, building my own business, um, I do a bunch of different things. I advise early stage uh, SaaS companies in the healthcare technology vertical. I work with about six to eight clients. Uh, I'm an LP at a rolling fund called GTM Fund, which is run by Max Altschuler, which invests about $2 million in, in seed stage SaaS businesses. Um, I'm a sales coach up, up in Canada with a guy named Dan Martell, and I do some founder and executive coaching. And then uh, I build and sell digital products. And prior to that, I spent about 11 years in tech, 
um, most notably the last five uh, as the uh, VP of sales, SVP of sales, and then chief revenue officer at a company in LA called Patient Pop. And prior to that, I was a sub 10 employee at a New York City based company called ZocDoc, where I spent uh, about five years as well in various leadership roles. And um, prior to that, I I did a bunch of things that I wasn't very good at. (laughs) So thank you for sharing that. And I definitely want to make sure that we get to what you're doing right now, all the cool things that you're building, experiencing and diversifying how you live your life. But I think it's always important to shine a spotlight on what you just said, which was all the things that you weren't necessarily good at before, kind of those early experiences in your life. And I know that there's a lot of people who might be listening, coming straight out of college and the world's very different right now and they're they're trying to figure out what to do. And I know if you rewind the clock to when you first started and, and got into the professional world, what are some of the things that you learned back then that you think are applicable today? Yeah, I would think the, I would say the number one thing that I learned is um, early on, um, you're going to be surrounded by a lot of really talented people in your careers that at 21 and 22 and 23, you can't see 15, 20 years into the future. You don't recognize that all of your peers early on are future executives, future CEOs, future venture capitalists. And one thing that I wish I had done earlier in my career that I did a little bit later was just been more mature. Uh, spent spent more time investing in those relationships, um, shown those people that I was going to be, you know, a force to be reckoned with in the future. Build that network from the the day I graduated school until now. It it took me a lot longer to do that. And so when I see you know people that I hire straight out of school, which I've done quite a bit of, um, I always try and teach them that right now is when your footprint starts. So start building that that footprint, both offline, online, everything that you do, because 20 years from now, people remember who you were then, unfortunately, <laughs> in some cases. <laughs> it's, it's definitely a powerful message because we often forget. And look, we come out of college, we want to hit the ground running, but we also want to live a little bit and have that fun. And I can empathize <clears throat> with that. But what I think is incredible today with all the tools that are accessible to us, we have this opportunity to build a footprint online, offline as well, obviously develop those relationships. And you've kind of become this master at building a footprint online. So again, to those to that same audience, what would be some of your recommendations in terms of like where to start, how to expand, whether it be on LinkedIn, Twitter, et cetera? Yeah, it's a first of all, I, I don't I don't know that I'm an expert. I, I think I've been I think I was fortunate enough to get started a little earlier than some other people, which has been beneficial. Um, but I would say, you know, the, the number one piece of advice I give people is I know it sounds really weird, but like be interesting, right? We're all really interesting people. And, and a lot of times people they, they struggle to find their own interest or find why they're interesting, not recognizing that a lot of what they do is probably really interesting to other people who haven't done those things before. And so when I, when I recommend going online and starting to build a footprint, 
Like don't build a, fit, a footprint on behalf of someone else. Don't build a footprint on behalf of a company. Don't do things that you think are um, wild or crazy or um, will get attention. Just be, be yourself. Talk about the things that you're doing in your life because everyone is on a journey. And if you take people on your journey, everyone who's just a few footsteps behind you or one rung below you on the ladder is going to find that extraordinarily beneficial. And I think that people don't think about that a lot. So go out there and share your journey in real time. And if you do that, naturally, you will attract people who want to go on that journey with you. That's just, a, a, I guess, a very simple piece of advice that I try and give people. And it's a powerful one. Uh, one of the pieces of advice that I was given that's somewhat similar to complement what you're saying is that everyone is 10% better at something than someone else. So whatever that 10% is, go out and teach people, go out and share it genuinely and inspire people that way. And again, that's something I see you doing actively and it, it seems to flow naturally through you, right? And that's when humans are kind of in their element, they figure out what they actually want to do. So I know for you, a lot of that has been kind of sales, marketing driven. Obviously you like to teach people now how to build their own products. Where did you discover this passion or realize that this is something that you're in alignment with? Yeah, it's it's interesting. Like, you know, I don't know how I found this passion. So I'll, I'll give you like a, a kind of a breakdown of what I mean by that. So I started as a as an executive on the sales side, right? So I was a, an executive at a, a really fast growing company and that helped me build an audience in sales, right? Um, but after a while, like after being in sales for 16 years, you get sick and tired of talking about the same things. I didn't want to talk about how to build an inbound sales program or how to have an SDR passively do an AE. Like I got bored. And instead, I just went out and started studying people that I found interesting. So I went on Twitter, I went on LinkedIn, I went on different social media platforms, and I started looking at these people and started following their journey. I was like, oh, these are really interesting people. And the one common thread was that they were bucking trends. They were doing things differently than what I was doing. They were um, building their own companies. They were solopreneurs. They were entrepreneurs. They were intentionally designing a different lifestyle. They were uh, they were building products online. They were uh, talking about service businesses. I thought those things were really interesting. And so rather than let my previous executive role as, as a revenue leader define who I am. I just decided that I didn't really need to ask anyone's permission to go out and start talking about something different. And so I just started talking about things that were interesting to me. And the people who were following me before, some of them probably thought this isn't that interesting anymore. And, but I attracted new people. And so for me, it's just talk about the things that, you know, you want to, you think are interesting and the right people and the right audience and the right followers will, will come. And so that's, that's just sort of how I approached it. Yeah. So to kind of build on that a little bit, partly because I find that especially when we talk to people, maybe in the corporate setting, and you've experienced this in different wavelengths than I have, but people want to fit in, right? That's kind of the natural human tendency is to fit in within this box and make sure maybe you don't ruffle feathers. And that makes it really hard to be authentic. Mm -hmm. So was there any sort of resistance or hesitation when you went through that realization, like, hey, I'm super interested in what this person is doing on Twitter, on LinkedIn, and I want to start communicating this new message that might not necessarily be in alignment with traditional corporate setting. Yeah, 
Yeah, definitely. I think um, the first thing that I did was I set some expectations, right? I think it's, it helps that I was doing a good job, right? Like I, I won't lie and say that a, a strong performance was a good foundation for starting to go out and express yourself online, right? I think if I was on a performance plan or wasn't building the company the right way, then it probably would have been taken in a different way. But the first thing that I did with my CEOs when I was employed is I set, I set the expectation. I said, listen, I want to build this brand. I'd like to take this with me into the future. I think this is going to be important. So expect that. Now, does that mean that every time I went out and talked online or spent time there, that, that there weren't people at the company that didn't understand it? <clears throat> I'd be lying if I said that that, that didn't happen. It, it definitely did. But at one point, I kind of came to this realization and the realization that I came to is, I know it sounds, again, very cliche, but it's like, you get one shot, you know? So if you're going to, if you're going to go out and live your life the way that you want to live it, you, you some, at some point you have to take that shot. And I just don't believe in allowing a corporate environment to control my personal social media. Like I don't, I don't agree that outside of the hours of nine to five, that what I write and how I act and what I do, like you obviously don't want to do silly things, right? That get you in trouble and things like that. But the sheer act of using them um, is, I just wouldn't let that be moderated. I just didn't, I didn't find that to be, unless you want to you know, pay me 24 hours a day for, for my role. Um, and so I just went and said, this is what I want to do. I think that I can build a business doing this. And I had a choice to make. Either I stayed at a company where it became much more difficult to do that, or I go out and try it on my own. And the way that I looked at it, Edward, is like, if I failed, the worst thing that happens is I go get another job. But if I succeed, the upside is monumental. Yeah, the, the upside definitely is asymmetric, right? And there's this totally. opportunity to create a lifestyle, to create a vision, give yourself the location, time, freedom that you want, but also help people in the way that you want, right? We don't necessarily always get to do that when we're coming out of school and we get boxed into some corporate role. So I know you've started this journey maybe 24 months ago, roughly speaking, and I want to kind of go deeper into that and really mm -hmm. showcase to people that you can also be successful in corporate while starting to build your personal brand. And then you can start to think about ways to branch off. So I really want to go deep on that because that's kind of the magic and what you've been doing over the last few years. And that's what I want to share with people. So can you shed some light on how that started? And then let's go a little bit deeper in terms of like what you're doing today. Yeah. Yeah. It started um, because I, I had a, a, a hypothesis around how my life was going to go based on how it was going. And so what I mean by that is in about mid 2018, I had been in high growth tech for almost 10 years. And um, you don't, you and I don't know each other personally, but I'm, I'm what you might describe as a workaholic, right? Like I'm going to give you probably 80 to hundred hours a week as an employee. And so um, I'm also have some extraordinary perfectionist, uh, perfectionistic, excuse me, tendencies, which when you couple those two things together lead to what led to what happened to me in mid 2018, which was burnout. And I was just like burning out completely. I was drinking way too much. I had, um, I had gained 40 pounds. Um, I was just, my mind was just scrambled. I had a massive panic attack in 2018. Um, and so my, I was just sort of breaking down and I knew that that wasn't sustainable. And so I had this hypothesis. My hypothesis was that getting some attention online would be beneficial if I ever wanted to work for myself. And so I started 
trying to get some attention. And that's like a really, um, people don't like when I describe it that way, but that's what it is, right? We can pretend that we're not really all trying to get attention, but that's what we're doing. And so if you're honest with yourself, right, that, that actually helps, helps you on your journey a lot more. And so I wanted to do that. And so the burnout forced me to think about how I was going to live my life self-employed. And so I started writing. That's, that's all that happened. That's awesome. So to that point about attention, which is funny, if we kind of isolate the fact that most people online aren't necessarily building or creating this personal brand, they're simply consuming, right? So even though you're, let's quote unquote, say seeking attention, in this case, you're actually creating something that's powerful and meaningful mm -hmm. to you. And yes, it brings that attention. What I do want to know from your perspective, how were you able to balance consumption <clears throat> versus creation? Yeah, I think um, it's a really great question. I think they are distraction, which is what consumption really is, is the kryptonite of creation. And so the way that I generally think about it is um, on social media, I mute all the things that kind of get my heart pumping or my, my blood flowing. So, you know, politics can be really distracting. So I mute all of that, right? I just don't, I don't pay attention to it um, because it's, it gets me upset to be, to be honest. And so I, I start by kind of formulating my infrastructure so that I don't get really distracted. And then I try and create a very narrow ecosystem. And so that might sound weird, like if you just consume something that's narrow, then you don't get a lot of you know, different opinions. But I try and really um, specifically construct an ecosystem that has different opinions, different thoughts, um, challenging ideas. And I'll consume that for a little bit each day. And I generally use that as kind of fuel for what I'm thinking about. And maybe I, you know, take something that someone creates and I think through it and I have a completely opposite take on it. And I use that to foster my creative side and go out and create. So I guess the answer in and of itself is, is it's just a, a balance, right? So. Yeah, absolutely. I think you have to filter out a lot of the noise that exists out there. The reality mm -hmm. is I've kind of, I, I, I really thank my parents for this, but they kind of gifted this idea, which is like control what you can control right? At the end of the day, it's very cliche, but there's only so much control that we have. And the control that you were kind of alluding to earlier is you want to be able to create whatever you want to create without any boundaries. So we need permission from ourselves, really nobody else to go out and do the things that we actually want to do. So you start on this pathway, right? You kind of kept building and you started to see engagement. At what point did you really realize this is possible, that I could really escape from the corporate environment and step into my element and start creating products that people were going to want to buy. Yeah, May 15th, 2019. So um, I went out to try and get some of that attention that I described earlier by writing. And I'm not a naturally gifted writer by any means. Um, and I, today, I don't consider myself to be a gifted writer. I don't, I'm not good at writing blogs or long form content. I'm good with pithy, short things. Like that's about as good as I get. And um, I started writing in June of 2018. And I got um, embarrassed because nobody liked it. And so I stopped for about four months. And then in October of, of 18, I picked back up and got, again, kind of crickets, like no one really paying attention, but I kept at it. I did a lot of studying. So I tell people this often, like I read books on copywriting, movie scripting, character development, psychology, 
everything that I could do to try and get an edge. And then um, I published a story, a short post on May 15th of 2019. I was getting like 3000 impressions per thing that I wrote. And uh, that one got like 1.25 million in one day. And I was like, oh, there's like something to be said for like, <laughs> if you nail it, right? If you can figure out this sort of formula or, um, or whatever you want to call it, like you can get a lot of attention. And I isolated that instance. And I started to think like, why did people like this? What resonated with this particular thing? And I made some guesses and I started to apply that more often. And man, it just took off. Like, you know, uh, and at that point in time, over the next three weeks, I recognized that I was going to be able to continue to get some attention. And about three months later, I, I stepped away from my full-time role. I love that to the extent that we want to resurface that post to people and, and really give them an opportunity to reread it. What's kind of the context or the theme of that specific post? I'm sure it's super memorable for you. Yeah, it was it was actually just telling my journey, right? Which is why I often um, recommend that. I just told people I got fired from the first three jobs that I ever had. And by the time I was 28, I had I was a complete failure. That's true. That's like objectively true. And um, I just talked about how when I took a bus from Allentown, Pennsylvania to New York City to interview for ZocDoc, like um, something changed. There was an intersection. I remember the post. There's an intersection of four things, like really incredibly intelligent people, um, this amazing product that I believed in. I was selling garbage that I didn't care about, like put a few extra pennies in Mr. CEO's pocket, right? And then this, this product of ZocDoc was so incredible. The energy of the city, like first, like not my first time in New York City, but as an adult by myself, first time and, and my own maturity, like all these four things just sort of intersected in this like really interesting, unique moment in time, landed the job, made a sale my first day after never making sales at any of my previous roles. And so I just told that story. I told, and, and here's why I think it resonated to be quite honest, is lots of people are coming out of college and not doing a good job and getting frustrated and questioning themselves, you know, internal fear. Am I any good at this? Am I going to be good at something? And to know that, you know, I eventually became an executive at a startup after such a terrible start, I think resonated with a lot of people. And so I think that's why it took off. Right. It's this belief that you have to have it all figured out right when you come out of college and climb the, these stairs, these imaginary stairs that we kind of envision <laughs> in our minds. But the reality is nobody's path is linear. I don't care if you're in corporate. I don't care if you're building a product. It's never going to be consistently uphill. You're going to have moments where you're going to come down. Things are going to be easier or harder. And it just kind of evolves that way. So I appreciate you sharing that. What I really want to get into right now is understanding what you're building and how you're helping people today, because mm -hmm. you've taken all this knowledge, all these experiences, all these moments of let's call it failure or learnings and really stitched it all together. And you, you've launched, I believe now two products. Um, mm -hmm. Can you share a little bit about what inspired you to actually want to launch these products and what the future likes for you looks like for you to really build forward? Yeah, I think it's interesting. I The first thing that happened was I didn't choose my first niche. It kind of chose me. Um, you know, I was this sales leader sharing content on LinkedIn that started to become popular. And it was about a lot of different things. 
And I remember sitting down uh, with Kevin Dorsey, who was working for me at the time at Patient Pop, and we were having lunch. Before, this is pre-pandemic in, in, in LA. And I said, oh, I'm going to build some sales courses. I'm going to teach people how to get better at sales or grow into be an executive or whatever was my idea at the time. And, and he said, like, dude, everyone's doing that. It's so boring. He's like, there's so many sales courses out there. It's so boring. He's like, don't people care about like how you're growing on LinkedIn? And I was like, I don't know. I think so. And so I went back and opened up my, my DM like on LinkedIn in all these quiet, I started reviewing just all the DMs. They're like, how do you do this? How did you write this? What's your tip for audience growth? What's your tip for this? And I was like, oh, this is really interesting. Like I hadn't considered that. And so I decided at that moment that I would build like a course, right? And I, I, um, I struggled. It took me like two, I think two weeks to build what is essentially like a 40 minute course, right? Which I think I could probably do a lot faster now. Maybe that's not struggling, but um, it took off and people bought it. And I priced it very effectively because my whole mantra, like, and I, I don't, I don't mean this to sound arrogant, but like I have a successful career and I don't make a living off of selling digital courses. And so my goal was to sell it to as many people as possible, help as many people grow their, their LinkedIn audience and like come back and tell me a cool story about how that impacted their life. Right. And so that, that was my first product. And then after a while, I started to build some more revenue streams and people started asking, how could they build a consulting business or how could they build a writing business? Or, you know, how could they stop working nine to five basically was the question that, that people asked. And so I decided to take everything I'd learned over what, what amounts to a 30 month journey and say like, this is how you create an idea. This is how you grow an audience around this idea. This is how you build a small service business. And then this is how you take that service business and start pivoting it into a product business so that you don't have to trade time for money as frequently. And so I just launched a course called called a idea audience proof product. And that's what I do now. And I think that um, outside a, a bunch of other things, I think the future probably um, uh, is maybe working with my wife a little more. My wife, um, I, I'm the creator and builder of our family and, and my wife is the optimizer and the grower. You know, I, I go out and throw a bunch of ideas against the wall and try and see, uh, see what sticks. And then when they make money, my wife is really good at investing. Her dad's a stockbroker. And so um, she controls all that stuff and she's really good at it. And I don't know anything about it. And so, you know, maybe there's a future there. <laughs> you kind of have a full C-suite in your family, right? Yeah. You're kind of the CMO, CSO, and then she's the CEO or the CFO and the COO. So she's the CEO. <laughs> I love that. Um it's really cool to see that you kind of let things flow to you. Whereas oftentimes, and I, I don't think there's a perfect right answer for this and curious to hear your thoughts on it. But the reality is we can go out and have a hypothesis on what the world needs and go ask a bunch of people and figure out what they need or start putting out a bunch of content. And clearly those things flowed to you, right? Your DM box was flooded with people wanting to learn how you were doing what you're doing and you kind of let things trickle in. So from your perspective, given that you advise so many companies now, what is your maybe generic advice or deeper advice? Sure. Do you have a perspective on it? Yeah, I mean, in terms of, in terms of like letting things come to you and flowing, I, I'd say it's, it's different, right? So, um, the way that I get, um, the way that I, cre I guess, create, and I sound really arrogant saying that, but like the way that I, I, I create ideas and stuff is just like things just come into my brain and I say, what if we did X, right? And that's actually not a good way to create. <laughs> like I wouldn't recommend that for anyone because um, I have the, the um, luxury of having a large enough audience where even if I create something 
and it's not that interesting, still some people like it, right? And so it maybe gives me a false sense of security, but um, I like to flow that way because that's creativity. That's more fun. Like it's just way more fun. And I, I'm all about like doing interesting things with my life versus doing really regimented things. The rigidity comes in with my software clients, right? When I go out and I work with early stage SaaS companies, like that's where all the rigidity comes in. Process, people, improvements, conversions, technology. I, and I believe because I'm so rigid in that part of my life that it almost acts as a balance to be completely you know, unconstrained in a creative way. And so I, that's not my recommendation to people who are trying to go out and build something online. It's just what works for me. And so that's how I think about it. Right. What I'll layer in though, is that if you're listening and you're kind of comprehending what Justin is saying is that you don't have to be fixed on one way and how you operate in all areas of your life, right? Certain areas, you can allow more creativity. You can create a balance for yourself and, and that's going to help you also feel a little bit more comfortable with how you're operating and showing up in the real world. What I'll say is, is fascinating is that as you're building these products, you're constantly getting more feedback from the market. Now you're seeing that people want to learn how to maybe escape the nine to five and create yeah. some sort of an lifestyle for themselves. What else are you seeing out there that you're willing to share in terms of, okay, this is maybe the next thing that's flowing to me in terms of how I want to service and help the world? Yeah, it's really interesting. The The thing that was the biggest surprise, it actually ended up in the course, which is I called the course idea audience proof product because in my mind, those were like four things that you needed to be really successful. And so I put it all together, time boxed it to like 30 days. And I had like seven days before it was going to launch. And I shared it with some family and friends. And the feedback was actually really constant and consistent from them, excuse me, consistent, um, which was, yeah, cool. We get it. Create an idea, build an audience, proof product. Understood. Um, what if you're scared? <laughs> and like, what if you don't want to put yourself out there? And what if you don't know how? And what if you are worried about what people think about you? And I was like, oh, that's interesting, right? Because I'm so far removed from being fearful um, of what you know happens online because I've been writing for so long online that it didn't occur to me that that might be um, a bottleneck. And so I went back and I created a mindset section. And essentially what I tried to do was capture for my audience, like, how to think about your knowledge, how to think about your benefit to the world, how to have a different thought process around what type of value you can add. And this manifests in a question. The most common question I get is, what if you're not an expert at anything? Or what if you don't have any knowledge that you can go out and share with people? And I just think that's such a flawed question. Like, like we talked about in the beginning, we all have knowledge. We're all experts in something. Um, and so I think the next thing I might focus on and who knows is like, how do you give people the confidence to actually do these things? Because once you have the confidence, the rest is pretty easy. Uh, I love that because you literally hit on something that I'm deeply passionate about that I alluded to earlier to you in the pre-show, which was mindset, right? Like once you get your mind straight and really understand who you are, be in alignment with what's inside of you, everything flows out. So what you just hit on is really important for people to remember is your life is predicated on the quality of the questions you ask yourself. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard this analogy, but essentially our brain is kind of like a search engine, right? Mm -hmm. Your brain can only recall 
every experience you've ever had in the past. There's no AI component learning what's happening in front of you. So if you ask yourself a bad question, it's really going to go back and say, what are all the experiences I've ever had that are going to reinforce and support this question? And if you are asking bad questions, that's all it's going to find. Start asking yourself better questions. Your brain will literally pull up everything that's gone well in your life and you're going to start to be more empowered. And I think when you couple those Smart. things and, and everything that you're doing, that's when people are empowered, right? And that's what this whole thing's all about is really giving people the knowledge, the access, the confidence to go out and build. So look, you are not only putting out products, you're also kind of diversifying how you spend your day. And that's not always easy, especially when we're stuck in some sort of consumption mode. I know you've cut that out of your life. So you're out there kind of advising companies, right? You're building mm -hmm. products, you're investing. Can you kind of walk us through like maybe a generic day or a generic week for Justin, what that looks like and how you break apart your time? Yeah. Yeah. That's um, another really great question. So I'm, I'm super like I said, outside of being outside of attempting to be creative, I'm very rigid. Um, so my, my schedule sort of as follows Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday are client days and, um, Monday and Friday, Saturday and Sunday's creative time. And so, um, inside of those days, my schedule is pretty rigid. It's the same every day. So at eight 30, um, first of all, I wake up at about five 30 and then from seven 15 to eight 15 central time, I engage with my audience on LinkedIn. My post hits at seven 15 central time, uh, every morning. Um, I engage for an hour. And then uh, I get ready with my wife and we go for a six mile walk. We walk in Shelby Park here in East Nashville. Um, takes us about an hour and a half, come home, get showered, eat lunch. And then, uh, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, it's client time. And then Monday and Friday, it's writing time. So I write, um, you know, I record if I'm getting on video. Uh, I do, uh, you know, just really creative activities. And then actually like what we're doing today on a Thursday is like, actually outside of my, my box. Typically I usually do 3 PM to 5 PM. I'll do podcasts, you know, webinars, guest appearances, things like that. Um, so that's a typical sort of week for me. And then like, I also have an opportunity Saturdays and Sundays to think about new business models. Like this is where I create, try and create new ideas. What if we had a community? What if we did a SaaS product? Like what if we, you know, I'm just trying to think of new ideas and most of what I'm doing is getting really excited and then cutting a bunch of things that don't make sense and trying to see what sort of makes it through my brain's filter as like a pretty decent idea. And that's where idea audience proof product came out of. And um, I'm interested to see what comes next. I love that. Thank you for walking us through that because I think it's so easy again to look at Justin on LinkedIn or Justin on Twitter and see everything you're putting out. But there's this energetic flow that happens on the back end that most people never get to see that through the lens of like how you're thinking and how you're looking at the world. So it's really important to look at that because I, I do think this is a solid place to kind of wrap things up because it highlights that you went from 80 to 100 hours in the corporate workplace making somebody else rich, right? Whereas now you're probably putting in the same amount of time. You're diversifying how you spend that time, but now you're creating wealth and equity for your family, right? And that's mm -hmm. kind of the most beautiful thing we can do in this world is really allow ourselves to create a life that we've always dreamt of. And you're doing that. So I commend you for all of that.
Thanks, man. You know, I, it all kind of culminated the other day. My wife and I went to lunch in the middle of a work day and spent like an hour and a half chatting, eating. That to me is significantly more important than, um, you know, trying to make as much money as possible. Yeah. Those are the moments that we actually care about and they're really priceless. Again, let's layer in some more cliches, but that's what it's all about. <laughs> Look, Justin, uh, this has been an awesome conversation. And before we let every single guest off the hook, we always put them through the hot seat. So I just want to make sure that you're ready for it. Are you ready for three to four challenging questions? Sounds good. Let's do it. Let's do this. So Look, you strike me as somebody who loves to learn, loves to kind of consume some sort of powerful content. And if you had to read one book for the rest of the time, what would it be? Mm. You know, oh boy, I really like the Almanac of Naval Ravikant. Mm. Um, for, for anything else, it just challenges me to think differently. I don't agree with everything that's inside of it, but at least it pushes me. That's awesome. Never read it. We'll have to pick it up. Uh, next question for you. I know you mentioned you loved living in New York. It had this kind of energy, this power that it, it gave you. I'm curious if you had this opportunity to go to Times Square and put up any message across that entire deck of boards up there, what would that message say? Invest in yourself. Okay. Love it. Simple and clear. Last question for you really revolves around people, right? Because people help us think, process, learn, kind of innovate. So if you could take three people to any spot in the world right now, and you could eat whatever meal you'd, you'd want, who would those three people be and where would you go? Hmm. Well, one would be my wife, Jennifer. Um, one would probably be a very good friend of mine named Matt Gutu. Um, who I worked with at ZocDoc, who I think challenges the way that that I think about things. Um, and boy, who would the last person be? I don't know who the last person would be. It's okay. Well, um, well. I, but but we would go we would go to Tokyo, and um, we would eat we would eat incredible sushi for a sushi omakase uh, for, for two hours and, and talk business. I'd, I, um, I don't admire like a lot of, uh, you know, traditional celebrities or, or anything like that. I, um, I get a lot more value and joy from my very close uh, uh, friend group. I love that. And that's how it should be, right? It's, it proves that you're looking to learn from the people right in front of you, not necessarily somebody that you're looking through on computer screen or through your phone. So thank you for sharing everything today. Thank you for building and creating and empowering so many people and, and challenging people to think differently because that's really all it's about. So Justin, as we always say on the Career Meets World podcast, go unleash your wildest potential. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Hey. Thanks so much for listening to the Career Meets World podcast. I would love to get to meet you. There are a couple of ways we can connect. You know I love my LinkedIn. Simply search for Career Meets World or Edward Gorbis and feel free to connect. Second is via Instagram at Career Meets World. And third is through our website. I have a special spot for you full of fun, free resources. All you have to do is go to careermeetsworld.com Subscribe to our newsletter 
and we'll provide you the free resources to help you boost your career and reach financial freedom. And if this podcast was helpful to you in any way, please consider rating and reviewing this podcast on Apple Podcasts. This helps us help more people. Simply tap the rate with five stars and leave a sentence with what you liked about the podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Remember, strengthening your growth mindset is your ticket to success. I'm Edward Gorbis, and we'll catch you on next week's episode.